Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, thank you. I hope everybody is feeling great. positive and straight up front. And uh, thank you for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. on the north side, of course. And there is so much to talk about. And um, the news is saying that... Um, People are allowed to uh, – people. the cell phone thing, the smartphone thing is um, uh, you, just about everything you do on your cell phone uh, you, that you want to do and that you do, they're asking for your location. And some of us don't mind giving our location to uh, a lot of these uh, websites and uh, places, social media that want our uh, location, but they're not – guarding it. They're not keeping it safe. Anybody from what I'm hearing, anybody can your location up to your front door from your cell phone. Um, I mean, the world is just not safe anymore. Anything you do is it's not safe. I mean, we have Donald Trump. So the world, nothing's safe. I mean, this shutdown, and I'm pretty sure you know about it, and I'm pretty sure you do not like it. No matter what Trump says, nobody likes this shutdown, especially people who are not getting paid, who have mortgages, who have rent, who have food to buy, who have children to feed. Uh, nobody likes this shutdown. That's a damn lie. And it's getting worse and worse. It's going into its 
actually is going into his fourth week at the date of this show. And nothing uh, is happening. And uh, we're here at the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're solemn as we can be because we know things are getting messier. Trump is delivering on his promise to Vladimir Putin and the Russians to destroy America. That's all it is. This is not about no fucking wall. This is not about Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats, Chuck Schumer. This is about Donald Trump trying to solidify power, Donald Trump using strong arm tactics to get his way because he wants to be a dictator. Republicans, some of the Republicans are breaking away, but not enough of them are breaking away as to uh, the Democrats and the Republicans getting together to override Donald Trump and reopen the government. We need I think we need at least 14 to 15 Republicans to say, hey, wow, this this is this has got to stop. He's destroying America and he doesn't give a damn and he doesn't care. I mean, if you saw the speech last night, it was a dud. It was for nothing. It was full of the same talking points he's been using uh, since his campaign to run for run for president. This is not a, not funny. This is very serious. Uh, America is being. America is being uh, terrorized by this president. Let's put it that way. America is being terrorized by Donald Trump. And that this is what he's doing. He's breaking down every institution, every uh, – uh, he wants to see it all torn the fuck apart. And it's coming apart. And it's awful to watch people uh, – uh, react at not getting paid, at not getting a paycheck, at not being able to pay their rent, pay their mortgage, their car note, uh, the, their child's college tuition, uh, and other things. It's just, it's, it's awful. It's, it's terrible. It's awful. But Trump doesn't care. He wants his way, or no, it's his way or no way. And I'm surprised that so many Republicans are backing him on this. And I'm thinking that the Republicans who are backing Donald Trump on this shutdown, they have got to be uh, – they have got to be getting excoriated in their states, their districts, uh, towns, wherever they are supposed to be representing. The newspapers there uh, for wanting to keep this shutdown going as long as possible until Donald Trump uh, somehow – I don't think he will. I don't. I don't think he will. Uh, the shutdown talks are starting to affect air traffic control. Those are the people who keep our planes in the air from running into each other, smashing into each other. TSA workers, the airport workers, are are not being paid. A lot of them are quitting. Putting. Uh, uh, the airlines in jeopardy for terrorist attacks. For you know, uh, this is and the man doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care uh, about anything. He doesn't care about people being uh, without uh, rental assistance, being evicted from their apartments or their or the homes that they they may be renting. He doesn't care. 
He just don't care. Um, yeah, he uh, stormed out of a meeting today after that dud last night. That speech of that dud speech that didn't do anything. Wow, this is just awful. And the Republicans are are uh, doing this. I'm pretty sure that Fox News is telling them to hang in there, don't cave in. And these are the people that Trump follows. He follows people who saying don't cave in. Uh, they don't give a damn uh, that people are, are, aren't going to be able to feed their kids, their children. This is why I've been saying for so long the Republicans are through. They are through, done, done. Pe- the, the Republicans who are up for re-elect, re-election in 2020 and maybe 2022, uh, they're not going to win their, their, their primaries. They're not, well, they're not going to win the, uh, the, uh, the vote that matters. Because their opponents are going to be Democrats. Their opponents are going to be bringing up. Uh, you remember the, um, Jeffrey? He supported the shutdown with Donald Trump. He and this guy might be running for re-election. His opponent is going to use all of this uh, to beat his ass with, and it's going to work. This is why I keep telling people: uh, Republicans are through. They are done, and they keep digging holes for themselves in this shutdown. I've said yesterday and many times on the show that one of the things you do not do, you do not mess with people's money. You do not mess with their jobs. You do not screw around with their livelihoods, their children. They will vote you out. I don't care if they're Democrats, Republicans, independents. You mess with somebody's livelihood and you have a – and you running uh, – a uh, a re-election campaign, you're done. You're finished. But the Republicans, they don't seem to give a damn. They don't seem to care. And I keep saying this is not about a wall or whatever the hell Trump is calling it. From one day to the next, he's calling it something else. I don't know. This is not a wall. Okay, and we're going to get into a, to a little bit more that Trump walked out of a meeting. Trump walks out of a shutdown negotiations. Um, he walks out of shutdown negotiations after Democrats reject wall money, calling calling the meeting a total waste of time. And I think there was somewhere where it said he was going to go to the border and visit the border, and Trump said uh, it's a waste of damn time. And you got these folks out here who are criticizing this this representative who called Donald Trump a motherfucker, which I don't think – I don't think there's nothing wrong with that because I say the word every day almost on the show. Um, Trump curses more than anyone else. He's called people names. He's defiled names. And, you know, uh, so uh, he's out there saying that she should apologize, calling him an MF. Give me a break. Look at all the video and all the tape of Donald Trump cursing out people, calling people names. Football players, they're son of a bitches. Get that son of a bitch out of there. So, yeah, Trump walked out of uh, shutdown negotiations after Democrats um, rejected money for, for his wall. Okay, talks between President Trump and congressional Democrats aimed at ending the partial government shutdown collapse in acrimony and disarray 
with President Donald Trump, with President uh, walking out of the White House meetings and calling it a total waste of time after Democrats rejected his demand for border wall funding. Furious Democrats accused Trump of slamming his hand down on the table before he exited, and that's Trump. uh, Some of his Republican colleagues say he didn't do that, but they're lying. Uh, And they said he ignored their pleas to reopen the federal government as they continue to negotiate over his border wall demands because he, he ignored their pleas because he wants to hurt people. He wants to hurt America. He wants to bring it the fuck down as he goes to jail, hopefully. When will they lock this guy up? With the shutdown nearing the, uh, the three-week mark, some 800,000 workers are about to miss their paycheck. But you know what? This, this is 800,000 workers. But it's more than that that's going to be affected. What about their kids? Maybe their parents? It's going to be it's more than 800,000 workers. Trump thinks maybe they could just talk, ask their father for money. Good God almighty. He thinks they could ask their father for money. But they can't. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said implicit. Everybody is not wealthy. Everybody don't have wealthy parents. Majority of the people living in the United States were working from, you know, working from Paycheck to paycheck may have a little bit money saved in the bank. A lot of people don't even have money saved in the bank. But this is an economic disaster. This is what this is because those 800,000 people and more people within the United States, as long as this shutdown lasts, whatever money they might have stuck, sucked away, you know, they're going to keep it sucked away. They're not going to buy anything because they can't trust the government. So this is an economic disaster. People are going to hold on to their money. People are going to hold on to their money. They're not going to buy stuff. Because they, they have to face the fact they need to buy food to feed their families. They need to pay their their rent. Excuse me. They need to pay their rent, their mortgage, car note. Uh, they need to send their kids to college. They got other bills to pay. Cell phone bill, you know, smartphone bill, whatever. Uh, cable bill, internet bill, you know, um, you know, repairs, mechanic. Uh, this is just awful. It's just awful. And the Republicans are are uh, digging in. They are not going to give in. Trump's wall. Trump's wall. You know, because if they, it's a, let's say, if the Democrats give in to Donald Trump and give him money for his wall. He's just going to set them up again and shut down the government again to, to try to solicit more money from them. So they can't let themselves be um, taken. And anyway, this is extortion. Isn't extortion a crime? This is extortion. This is ransom. This is kidnapping. I mean, you, you, you're holding people who have nothing whatsoever to do with a wall hostage until you get what you want. This is completely 
outright, where is the FBI on this? Where is the Department of Justice? Where is somebody coming out saying this is extortion and extortion is a crime? This man should be arrested. There is nothing in the Constitution that says Donald Trump cannot be arrested for committing crime after crime after crime after crime in the White House. Where are these people who are supposed to be suing him for the emolument clause? Where are they? Where are these folks who are suing his whole family for uh, their charitable fraudulent dealings? Where are all of these lawsuits that's up his ass? That's got, there's 17 lawsuits. I haven't heard anything from any of these people who are suing this man. Somebody should come out somewhere and say, hey, wow, get this guy out of office. He's got seven. But you don't hear anything about the 17 investigation because Donald Trump successfully, Donald Trump successfully distracts you away from the things that you should be knowing that should be going on. The investigations, the collusion. But he's taken all that, taken all your eyes off of that. And putting it on this government shutdown, which is a lot worse. This is why we're paying attention to the government shutdown, because it's a lot worse. But nothing can be more gratifying than to see a subpoena or an indictment on his desk. To hell with what the Justice Department is saying and what they think a sitting president cannot be. The Constitution doesn't say that he cannot be indicted. And that's what we live by is the Constitution. That's what we live by, the Constitution. Trump walked out of a meeting with Democrat lawmakers, told him when they told him they couldn't find a, a, a wall along the southern border. He walked out, slammed his hand down on the desk, trying to get us to Trying to get Americans not to think about the dud of a uh, speech he gave. I think it lasted about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I didn't listen to it, but I did hear clips of it. So um, it was dull. Uh, Anytime Donald Trump is sitting reading from a teleprompter, he sounds dull. He's That's not him. And the next day when you hear him talk, he he is himself. Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about what he's reading. He doesn't understand what he's reading. He reads it, and then he, he's off. But this is really bad. I mean, this is really bad because uh, this thing must – I don't think it's going to go on for a year. I don't think it's going to go on for a month or, or two months. Uh Donald Trump, I don't think it's going to go on for that long, but I know – as long as the shutdown does go on, it's going to continue to hurt people. And this is what Trump wants. He knows that Americans don't like him. He knows that his biggest critics are Americans. And he's out to hurt Americans. Donald Trump hates this country. He can't stand it, but he wants to rule it. There is no way in hell, as I just got through saying, that a lot of these Republican senators and representatives will not be reelected because their opponents will really uh, going to bring 
this up, this shutdown up, the shutdown that they've supported, they're not going to be reelected because this shutdown is affecting everybody. This shutdown is affecting, as I mentioned, is affecting Democrats, Republicans, independents, their children, their nieces, their nephews, fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers. This, this is affecting everyone. And the diehard Republicans, they're going to vote against Donald Trump and put, a, and put a Democrat in their office in 2020. There's no way Donald Trump is going to win re-election. No fucking way. Electoral college or not, there is no way he's going to win re-election. No way. You don't mess with people's paychecks. You don't mess with uh, the lives of people who are struggling and trying to get ahead. And then you're going to make their lives a lot worse. You don't do that. You just don't do that here in America. Donald Trump, as I've said, is the worst president ever. This could have been Social Security. This could have been Medicare. This could have been Medicaid. Donald Trump don't, don't give a fuck. He, he wished he could end Social Security. He wished Social Security was a part of this shutdown, but it's not. Democrats want to fund some parts of the government. The Republicans will, will not let them. Donald Trump will not let them. And I, as much as I hate this shutdown, and I, as much as a lot of us don't want it, we, however, we do not want the the Democrats to give in to Donald Trump, give him nothing. And I'm hearing Donald Trump is trying to solicit solicit money for his reelection campaign. Ain't that a bitch? He's trying to solicit money for his reelection campaign from Americans. Give me a break. Not one cent should this man get. <laughs> Not one cent. He has a lot of nerve taking away other folks' paychecks and their livelihood and then turn around and asking them for money. And then he's saying he thinks maybe they could just ask their father for money. But they can't. This man is a loony. He's a he's a he's everything. And you have these Republicans who are in his ass. Supporting him, supporting this. A lot of these Republicans, uh, senators and representatives who are supporting this, they have family who are going to be hurt by this, who is hurt by this. But they're sticking by their nutty-ass president. This is why I say the Republicans are done. They are done. You know, it, it, it's bad. I mean, it's it's really, really awful and sad that um, – are in big, big, big astronomical trouble with no other place to turn. It, it's awful. And I'm not a bleeding heart Democrat. I'm an independent. But, you know, you don't want to see anybody miss their paycheck. You don't want to see anybody's lives ruined because of this guy. But he does. He wants to see your life ruined. We will be right back. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And uh, this is just awful, people. This is This is really awful. Washington always has its eye on the next election, and as we get closer to the 2018 midterms, many are predicting a blue wave with Democrats taking back the House and possibly the Senate. 
Joining us now, New York Congressman Joe Crowley, chair of the House Democratic Caucus. And the United States and all around the world, this is a special New Year's edition of New Day. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So good to share all of Happy this New year Year's. with you, which is all of six hours long. I can't wait to hear about all of your resolutions. Yeah. Would you like to share any? Zero. I don't make resolutions. I don't believe in resolutions. Wow. Because I would break them immediately. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to be a much, much better partner to you. That's I'm going to get here on time. I'm not going to be eating during commercial breaks loudly. <laughs> it bothers you. I'm just going to turn over and sleep. I don't mind the loudness. I mind when you're still eating when the segment starts. I'm not going to do that either. That was a problem in 2018, not 2019. I'm John Berman, alongside Allison Camerata, who is not eating during the breaks anymore. So 2019 is already shaping up to be a great year and a busy and possibly contentious year in politics. For the first time, President Trump will face a divided Congress. How will he handle it, and will he be able to get his agenda passed? With the new year comes, of course, resolutions. So if you're still trying to think of one, you might want to start with your savings account. Mm -hmm. Christine Romans will be here to help all of us get our finances in order. And from Saturday Night Live to Stephen Colbert, comics did not hold back spoofing the Trump administration. We have the highlights, that and much more on this special New Year's edition of New Day. But first, let's get a check of your headlines at the news desk. Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm Ryan Nobles. A rain-soaked crowd helped ring in 2019 in Times Square. This year's celebration in New York was dedicated to freedom of the press. And CNN's Allison Camerata joined the honored journalists on stage. Nashville's music note dropped at the stroke of midnight, setting off fireworks. Country star Keith Urban headlined the big show downtown. And Seattle celebrated the first moments of 2019 with a fireworks display launched from the newly renovated Space Needle. Democrats have a strategy to reopen the federal government just hours after they assume control of the House on Thursday. They plan to vote on a package of six bipartisan Senate spending bills and a stopgap measure to reopen the Department of Homeland Security at its current funding levels. But it appears to be a non-starter in the Republican-controlled House. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he will not move forward on any legislation until President Trump is on board. The president plans to give the Pentagon about four months to pull 2,000 U.S. troops out of Syria. This according to the New York Times. Mr. Trump offered that timeline to the head of U.S. forces in the region. The White House is not commenting on the report. National Security Advisor John Bolton will travel to Israel and Turkey this month to discuss the U.S. troop withdrawal plan. A Massachusetts judge says that Kevin Spacey must appear at his arraignment next Monday. Court documents obtained by CNN show the Oscar winner wanted to waive his right to be physically present and intends to plead not guilty to indecent assault and battery. Spacey's accused of groping a busboy at a Nantucket bar and restaurant in 2016. I'm Ryan Nobles. We'll have more headlines coming up in just 30 minutes. This past year, the headlines coming from the Trump administration could make your head spin, and chances are they did make your head spin. And this year, we will see even more, perhaps, upheaval from the Russia investigation to White House shakeups. Let's look into our crystal ball. We're joined by Nimalika Henderson, David Gregory, and John Avalon. Uh, David, to you, your crystal ball is dated, what, 1967, roughly? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so yeah. what was the 1967 version? <laughs> 
of David well, Gregory. Well. I think uh, I think there could be a Tet offensive this year. Uh, <laughs> let me. Tell you, it's two words for you in this new year. One, they are haute couture. Okay, <laughs> those are my two words. You know, you go down that list. What's amazing is the a Democratic Congress this year. All the investigation of President Trump that is going to be public and in the open because Congress is doing it. However, the Mueller investigation winds up. And then the big factor is also the economy, whether it's more muted in the United States as it's been around the world. There is a downturn that's underway. People are feeling it in their investments, in their long term investments in the markets, uh, which at the end of last year were in such a, a bad way. I think there's going to be so much anxiety within the White House that that bubbles up um, with those three factors alone. Nia, what are you imagining for 2019? In terms of Trump, I think he's going to start laying the foundation for his re-election. He's going to ramp that up immediately, you imagine, uh, in this new year. He's going to consolidate the RNC with his own campaign, apparently. So it's going to be sort of a new uh, structure for, for, for running uh, for re-election. And he's got to do that against all the headwinds that you're talking about. The House Democrats looking into everything about him and his family uh, as well. And he's got to figure out a way to keep a grip on not only the grassroots folks uh, who probably will stay with him no matter what, but certainly Republican elected officials. We've seen them pretty much stay aligned with him. So I think that is going to be his plan uh, going into 2019. He's got the ability to both try to define what his reelection campaign looks like, but also try to define his Democratic opposition. Anybody who pokes their head up, he's He's going to take him up. Yeah, have a nickname for and go after him. Yeah, but, but I mean, look, you know, yes, you know, investigations, oversight, the economy. But a lot of Trump's powers politically have stemmed from being buoyed by a good economy. The one area where he's been above water consistently. It's, you know, remember, lowest approval rating in his first two years of any president with the lowest unemployment in aggregate for the two years. So if that starts falling away, the laws of gravity are going to start to apply. And just because you come up with a clever nickname and play offense, yes, he may not lose his base. But a lot of his ability to corral and cow his critics is going to be diminished by that. One of the things that I like to say during the holiday season at the Christmas parties was, what is the thing that worries the president most about the Russia investigation? The economy. <laughs> because, because if the economy starts to turn, if it really starts to sink in, then he might lose that you know, unwavering Republican support. The Republicans who haven't bothered to pay attention or get outraged yet, they might start. That's Most right. of the rank-and-file Republicans who came home to him in 2016, much to the surprise of everyone, who gave him such high approval ratings throughout all of his outlandish statements and behavior so far in the presidency, people have said, you know, this is anecdotal, but I talk to people who support Trump, and they'll say, yeah, we don't pay attention to X, Y, and Z, but how's your portfolio doing? Well, yeah. at a certain point, the answer to that was, you know, Loosening up regulations and, and freeing up business spending and so forth has not been enough, even if the economy is growing, that there's been so much on trade and other things that have hurt the economy overall. The president, of course, had promised when he was elected to drain the swamp in Washington. 2018 was pretty swampy. It, there were lots of people who had to exit yeah, amid they, some humidity. That, from that's, the swamp. That's, that's right. And you, we might see more of that. I mean, lots of turnover uh, in 2018 with the chief of staff opposition, obviously Sessions on um, being ousted uh, by this president. So we'll see. I mean, this is a president who likes to keep people guessing. He likes to uh, sort of have a continuous round of not only chaos, but The Apprentice as well. Uh, and people rise and fall continuously in this White House. So we'll, we'll see uh, who is in and who is out uh, going forward in 2018, but it's a, co- a constant theme with this White House. Yeah, but, but if the president's desire to sort of stage man is his own reality show, which we all have to live with and constantly have cliffhangers and changing characters, 
the, the constant theme that's out of his control is the ethics investigations and tone coming mm. from the top. And this is where, again, his ability to sort of distract and deflect gets limited, not just by the economy, maybe all of a sudden creating conditions where people say, well, that's not the thing I can just look to and ignore everything that's happening inside the Oval Office. But that overtall tone and tenor, because even his strongest defenders at this point can't say that he's drained the swamp. He simply restocked it. So can he get anything done? And I ask that question, and let me rewind to 2017, because the moment where I think President Trump looked the most comfortable in the atmosphere in Washington were the meetings with Chuck and Nancy. Uh-huh. He, was, he was in the Oval Office talking about immigration, talking about the budget, walks in and he strikes a deal with the Democratic leaders, looks natural doing it, sounds natural doing it, speaks the language that they spoke, and that lasted about eight and a half minutes. It did, and we saw kind of part two of that in the Oval Office uh, with it was sort of the Nancy Pelosi smackdown of Donald Trump when they were talking about the government shutdown and, and immigration and the border and all of that stuff. So that seems to be where things are headed with this emboldened Nancy Pelosi, who will likely be speaker, and the idea that there's going to be some kumbaya moment uh, with all those folks, it just seems Unlikely. I've always thought, though, there was a path. There was a path at one point for the president to work with Democrats, Mm -hmm. and that would be to truly upend everything. Yeah, but then he starts to hear from his base, right, that he wants to And they win, and they trump everything. Well, they win because I think he's been persuaded, and his own gut is that that you, you don't have to build a coalition that crosses barriers. You just have to solidify... Uh, his base of support, and that's how he wins in 2020. John Avalon, Neemal Anderson, David Gregory, the answer is yes, we would like to see your etchings. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks so much for being with us. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, clearly I can take it. <laughs> Going into 2019, it helps to remember what even happened in 2018. I can barely I remember. remember it. Okay, it's all a blur. But Chris Eliza. It is not a blur. It is crystal clear to Chris Eliza. He has winners and losers of the year next. 2018 brought us another year of unbelievable political headlines. So joining us now with the best and the worst of them, CNN politics reporter and editor-at-large, Chris Eliza. Chris, you've been burning the midnight oil. I don't know how you could ever figure out what the best and worst headlines are were. Well, I always feel like it's 2018 for me was 10 pounds of feathers in a two and a half pound bag. Wow, you've really cleaned that up. Yeah. That's why he's the best. I know. He, he's, he's on in my In 2019, list. there will be no use of uh, expletives. Is that by right? Who, who's, by you. Who's your number one winner? Okay, I would say your number one winner, and this I think is pretty clear to most people, is Nancy Pelosi. Um, and I say that because Pelosi was the person who, and I've written her off many times, multiple times. When will you learn? Uh, so after this election, I, there was some talk after the 2018 election, well, Pelosi, she might not be the speaker. And I, I, again, I just, I have bet against Nancy Pelosi enough times. She emerges remarkably again as almost certainly to be the Speaker of the House. A, you know, more than a decade after she first won it, uh, not as history-making in that she's now the first female Speaker again, but still, I think, a, a really remarkable run. Okay, your next winner is also from Upside Down World, which is Beto O'Rourke. Yes. He lost, I'll just remind you. Good, great point. But he's Appreciate your winner. You. Um, so here's what's interesting about politics. You can win by losing at times. O'Rourke loses to Ted Cruz by two points. It's the best showing for a Democrat in Texas in a very long time. But 
if politics is judged by winning and losing, he lo- he lost. But look at 2020 polling in Iowa, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in New Hampshire nationally. Beto O'Rourke is in the top three. He's right up there with Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, which is remarkable given that two years ago, if we were doing this at the start of 2017, let's say, Beto O'Rourke is some guy who's a member of Congress from, from Texas. No one had ever heard of him. So he now has a chance to make a yes or no decision on president that will have a real impact. My guess is he probably runs because the timing How works for him. How could you not him. when you have that right. amount of money and that momentum and the timing, and the buzz? That and, Allison, the other really important point to that is momentum matters hugely in politics. And there's not another obvious race for him to run. Your last winner mm-hmm. is an entity which is often beaten up by the likes of Allison Camerata. Well, polling. And look, um, I am a pretty big defender of polling, generally speaking, the broad swath of it. I think you can often take a poll and say, wow, this really missed the mark. And they do at times. But I would say in 2016, polling took a giant hit. I would say a somewhat undeserved hit in that most polling had Hillary Clinton winning. She did win the popular. the popular vote. Now, she lost the electoral college. I'm not disputing any of that, but I thought polling in the 2018 election uh, was right on. I actually think uh, pollsters are getting better at polling sort of Trump's America. I don't think we're there yet, and obviously 2020 is a much bigger test. Okay, so we have to do lightning round for losers. Okay, lightning round losers. Lightning round. You say, number one, President Trump? Yes. Uh, he divided government now. He, I don't even think he realizes yet how bad that's going to be for him, but that that meeting he had in the Oval Office with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer at the end of 2018. Welcome to his next two years. And, and the, the second loser is one actually the president will take great joy in. You say Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I just think Elizabeth Warren, and I'll throw Biden in there too. I, I think that both of them had not great 2018s. Biden solely because I don't know that the Democratic Party wants to elect an older white man who's been in office for 50 years as its standard bearer. Warren, because she tried desperately in October to put this whole Native American ancestry thing behind her, she made it much, much Worse, and I think lost a ton of momentum. Doesn't mean she can't get it back, obviously, but not a great year. Here's something that we are fans of, and I'm sorry to see it in your losers category, facts. Yeah, uh, this is a depressing one. Uh, You know, your producers asked me, losers, and facts came right up. And unfortunately, uh, look, the President of the United States in his his first 649 days in office said uh, 6,500 things that aren't true. He's averaging 9.9 mistruths, uh, distortions, and lies a day. That's according to the Washington Post fact checker. One day in September on the campaign trail, he said 125 false or misleading things. he, does he pay a long-term price for this? We'll find out in, in the 2020 election. In the near term, though, I am stunned at the amount of people who just kind of roll their eyes and say, well, that's Trump being Trump. The devaluing of facts and capital uh, okay. P truth, Thanks, everybody I think, is a huge problem in God.
truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe, in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list 
of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. It's just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, 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 if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship. Something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight, I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. But first thing the next morning, I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun, okay? <laughs> yeah. Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, it kind of helps the credibility along, you know? <laughs> so every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake, and occasional skin cancer. But hey, 
At least there are no crucifixions, and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. And the best thing, the best thing about the sun, it never tells me I'm unworthy. It doesn't tell me I'm a bad person who needs to be saved, hadn't said an unkind word, treats me fine. So, I worship the sun, but I don't pray to the sun. Know why? I wouldn't presume on our friendship. It's not polite. I've often thought people treat God rather rudely, don't you? Asking you know, trillions and trillions of prayers every day, asking and pleading and begging for favors, do this, give me that, I need a new car, I want a better job. And most of this praying takes place on Sunday, his day off. <laughs> not nice. And it's no way to treat a friend. But people do pray, and they pray for a lot of different things. You know, your sister needs an operation on her crotch. Your, your brother was arrested for defecating in a mall. But most of all, you'd really like to fuck that hot little redhead down at the convenience store. You know, the one with the eye patch and the club foot, huh? Can you pray for that? I think you'd have to. And I say, fine, pray for anything you want. Pray for anything. But what about the divine plan? Remember that? The divine plan. Long time ago, God made a divine plan. Gave it a lot of thought, decided it was a good plan, put it into practice. And for billions and billions of years, the divine plan has been doing just fine. Now you come along and pray for something. Well, suppose the thing you want isn't in God's divine plan. What do you want him to do? Change his plan? Just for you? Doesn't it seem a little arrogant? It's a divine plan. What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? <laughs> and here's something else, another problem you might have. Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine. But if it's God's will and he's going to do what he wants to anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? <laughs> Seems like a big waste of time to me. Couldn't you just skip the praying part and go right to his will? It's all very confusing. So to get around a lot of this, I decided to worship the sun. But, as I said, I don't pray to the sun. You know who I pray to? Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Two reasons. First of all, I think he's a good actor, okay? To me, that counts. Second, he looks like... I think the list of commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to ten. It's a padded list. Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told, so they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain, when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick ten? Why ten? Why not nine or eleven? I'll tell you why. Because ten sounds official. Ten sounds important. They knew if it was eleven, people wouldn't take it seriously. Say, so what, are you kidding me? The eleven commandments? Get the fuck out of here. But ten. Ten sounds important. Ten is the basis for the decimal system. It's a decade. It's a psychologically satisfying number. The top ten, the ten most wanted, the ten best dressed. So having ten commandments was really a marketing decision. <laughs> and, 
to me, it's clearly a bullshit list. It's a political document artificially inflated to sell better. I'm going to show you how you could reduce the number of commandments and come up with a list that's a little more workable and logical. We're going to start with the first three, and I'll use the Roman Catholic version because those are the ones I was taught as a little boy. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath. Right off the bat, the first three, pure bullshit. <laughs> Sabbath, Sabbath day, Lord's name, strange gods. Spooky language. Spooky language designed to scare and control primitive people. In no way does superstitious nonsense like this apply to the lives of intelligent, civilized humans in the 21st century. You throw out the first three commandments, whoosh, you're down to seven. Next, honor thy father and mother. Obedience, respect for authority. Just another name for controlling people. The truth is, obedience and respect should not be automatic. They should be earned. They should be based on the parent's performance. Parent's performance. Some, some parents deserve respect, most of them don't, period. You're down to six. Now, in the interest of logic, something religion is very uncomfortable with, we're going to jump around the list a little bit. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Stealing and lying. Well, actually, these two both prohibit the same kind of behavior. Dishonesty, stealing, and lying. So you don't need two of them. Instead, you combine them and you call it, thou shalt not be dishonest. And suddenly, you're down to five. And as long as we're combining, I have two others that belong together. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Once again, these two prohibit the same kind of behavior. In this case, marital infidelity. The difference is coveting takes place in the mind. And I don't think you should outlaw fantasizing about someone else's wife. Otherwise, what's a guy going to think about when he's waxing his carrot? <laughs> but, but marital fidelity is a good idea, so we're going to keep the idea and call this one, Thou shalt not be unfaithful. And suddenly, we're down to four. But when you think about it, honesty and fidelity are really part of the same overall value. So in truth, you could combine the two honesty commandments with the two fidelity commandments and give them simpler language, positive language instead of negative, and call the whole thing, thou shalt always be honest and faithful, and we're down to three. Thou shalt, thou shalt, they're going away, they're going away fast. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. This one is just plain fucking stupid. <laughs> Coveting your neighbor's goods is what keeps the economy going. <laughs> all right? Your neighbor gets a vibrator that plays Oh Come All Ye Faithful. <laughs> you want to get one too. <laughs> Coveting creates jobs. Leave it alone. You throw out coveting and you're down to two now. The big honesty and fidelity commandment and the one we haven't talked about yet, thou shalt not kill. Murder. The fifth commandment. But when you think about it, <laughs> when you think about it, religion has never really had a big problem with murder. Not really. More people have been killed in the name of God than for any other reason. All you have to do... Yeah. Uh-huh. 
All you have to do is look at Northern Ireland, the Middle East, Kashmir, the Inquisition, the Crusades, and the World Trade Center to see how seriously the religious folks take thou shalt not kill. The more devout they are, the more they see murder as being negotiable. It's negotiable. You know? It depends. It depends. It depends on who's doing the killing and who's getting killed. So, with all of this in mind, I leave you with my revised list of the two commandments. <laughs> Thou shalt always be honest and faithful to the provider of thy nookie. <laughs> and thou shalt try real hard not to kill anyone. Unless, of course, they pray to a different invisible man from the one you pray to. <laughs> two is all you need. Moses could have carried him down the hill in his fucking pocket. And if they had a list like that, I wouldn't mind those folks in Alabama putting it up on the courthouse wall. As long as they included one additional commandment, thou shalt keep thy religion to thyself. Department. In the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the Invisible Man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you, and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I've got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. 
This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. Because <laughs> just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, so.
to the House, where Democrats just took control, and they're starting the year with a very long to-do list. Joining me now, a member of Democratic leadership, the new chairman of the House Select Committee on Intelligence, Congressman Adam Schiff. Mr. Chairman, congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jake. Happy New Year. So um, you, you, you just heard me talk with Acting uh, Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, uh, and one of the things uh, that Mulvaney and I were talking about uh, was the deliberations about the president potentially invoking emergency powers to fund the border wall. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you think? I make of that uh, really threatening talk from the president uh, that he doesn't have the power to execute. Look, if uh, Harry Truman couldn't nationalize the steel industry during wartime, uh, this president doesn't have the power to declare an emergency and, and build a multi-billion dollar wall on the border. So that's a non-starter. Um, and I think that uh, what the president needs to do more than anything else, he's painted himself into a corner on this thing, is figure out how he unpaints himself uh, from that corner. We need to reopen the government. We need to put people back to work. And I think uh, Senator Jones was making a very important point, which is really something that uh, I'm very focused on as well. And that is we can't allow this continual process uh, that was really modernized by the Tea Party that if I don't get what I want, if I don't get what I don't have the votes for, if I don't get what the country doesn't want, I'm just going to shut down the government. Uh, if you reward the president with that kind of tactic, Jake, then we're going to see every year the president shutting down the government, and we just can't afford to do business that way. You just took control of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, meanwhile, the grand jury in special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation has just been extended for up to another six months. Uh, I know that you're not directly working with uh, Mueller's uh, investigation, but what do you make of that? Well, he's clearly not done. Uh, there's more work for the grand jury. Now, whether that is a full six months more work or some uh, portion less than that, uh, clearly there are other potential charges that he must be considering. There's no purpose for a grand jury, I think, otherwise. Uh, we are trying to deconflict uh, with the special counsel. Uh, over the last two years, frankly, our committee was working to conflict itself with the special counsel to make the special counsel's work more difficult. Um, we hope, uh, as one of our first acts, to make the transcripts of our witnesses fully available to special counsel for any purpose, including uh, the bringing of perjury charges, if necessary, against any of the witnesses, but also to see the evidence that they contain and help flesh out the picture for the special counsel. We also uh, really immediately went to work in reaching out to private institutions uh, to lay the foundation to get records uh, as soon as our committee is constituted. Is there anybody in specific uh, you have in mind when talking about somebody who may have committed perjury before your committee? Are you talking about uh, uh, Donald Trump Jr.? Are you talking about Michael Cohen? Are you talking about Roger Stone? Uh, you know, I don't want to go into enumerating particularly who I have concerns about, but I do have concerns about uh, certainly multiple witnesses. Uh, and I think Bob Mueller, by virtue of the fact that he has been able to uh, conduct this investigation using tools that we didn't have in our committee, uh, meaning compulsion, uh, is in a better position to determine, okay, who was telling the truth, who wasn't, uh, and who could I make a case against uh, in terms of perjury. So um, there's no reason to protect these witnesses. There's every reason to validate Congress's interest in not having people come before it and lie. Uh, and I think people felt that they had some kind of immunity uh, with the GOP majority at the time because they would often intervene to tell witnesses you don't have to answer that question uh, you don't have to say anything you don't want or come in uh, even if you don't want to we're not going to compel you and that's simply no way to run an investigation a knowledgeable source uh, just told me this morning uh, that the Trump White House quote forced out Pentagon Chief of Staff Rear Admiral uh, Kevin Sweeney um, here's what Samantha Power, the former ambassador to the United Nations under President Obama, 
tweeted last night about Admiral Sweeney's departure. Quote, it is January 5th, 2019. We have no Secretary of Defense and now no Department of Defense Chief of Staff, no Attorney General, and no evident guardrails in Trump's inner circle. The President is unhinged. Even GOP zealots know it. Republicans inside and outside the administration must stop enabling Trump and protect America, unquote. That's a rather stark picture of the Trump administration. Do you agree with that view? Uh, I largely do agree that all of the adults are one by one being forced out of the room. Anyone that had the standing uh, or the independence to speak out uh, to the president, to tell the president what he needed to hear, not what he wanted to hear, has been pushed aside. And now you have a lot of yes people serving the president. Uh, and with this kind of a president who is a, as impulsive as he is, uh, who makes up claims out of whole cloth, uh, and you talked earlier today about the astonishing claim that the Soviets invaded Afghanistan to fight terror. Um, that's not something you say out of frustration. That's a Kremlin talking point. Uh, and if he doesn't have anyone who will tell, them, uh, tell him, Mr. President, that's flat out wrong, where are you getting this from? Uh, and Mr. Mulvaney may review the documents that come to the president's desk. He doesn't get to review every phone call the president makes and who's whispering in the president's ear Someone is giving him these ideas about Montenegro and about, uh, you know, what uh, the Soviets invaded Afghanistan for, what the, really what's being presented in the Duma right now is the Russian point of view. So uh, it is deeply concerning. Republicans in Congress do need to speak out. History is going to hold them accountable. Uh, and now is the time. I want to ask you about a comment from your fellow uh, Democratic uh, Congresswoman, uh, Rashida Tlaib, this week. The Democrats need to, quote, impeach the mother effer, referring to President Trump. Uh, forgetting the, the language for a second, her comments underscore the desire of Democrats to impeach President Trump. Eighty percent of Democratic voters want the president to be impeached. How much pressure do you feel to take action against President Trump, even if you personally aren't there yet in terms of any evidence? Well, first of all, Jake, uh, I'm in a unique position to say this, considering the president made my last name a profanity. Uh, this president is not in a position to talk about the use of language. Nobody has done more to debase the political uh, sphere, the public square, than Donald Trump. But in terms of the merits of impeachment, we need to see what Bob Mueller has to say. And I really think it's premature for Democrats to be talking about what the remedy ought to be before we know the full body of evidence. And that's what I've urged our colleagues to do all along. It's what I'm going to continue to urge them. And I think that's where, uh, you know, frankly, my constituents are. That's what I hear from them. They understand that, yes, it's, you know, theoretically possible you could line up the votes uh, in the House. But what's the point uh, if you don't know the full case and you can't make the case to the Senate? And in particular, it has to be a bipartisan process. If the Republican senators, some of them, are not on board, then all you have is a failed impeachment. And I don't see how that benefits the country. I understand you've made a decision about what the first public hearing will be yeah, in the House Intelligence Committee. Not, I have. Uh, and this is, I think, the big picture that often got lost in the day-to-day -day following of what was happening in the Russian investigation with this witness or that. And that is, we have a rise of authoritarianism around the world, a real rise of autocracy. Uh, most of us lived lives... All, <laughs> all right, welcome back to the to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, this is a political show. Actually, we can talk about anything we want to talk about. But basically, I mean, when you have a shutdown and, and Americans are being, being affected, all because we don't like this president, all because we uh, want him out of uh, our White House, this is Donald Trump is doing this to us. 
hoping to weaken us, weaken our resolve so we don't we can't vote or trying to kill us off in some way with with taking food food out of our mouths. This is Donald Trump against the American people. And right now he's winning, folks. Uh, he's winning uh, uh, his battle because this is a shutdown and it's affecting the American people as a whole. Pretty sure you know somebody who probably being affected by the shutdown if you're not being directly, directly affected by the shutdown yourself. You know someone or you know of someone. This is bad. America, the people of America are going to have to stand up and, and, and fight back. I mean, literally, physically. This man is coming after all of us. The Democrats are doing what they can, but they need Republicans on their side to override this guy. To uh, They're funding. They're, they're coming up with the money to fund our government. But they have the purse strings, but the Republicans say no. It should be something – the Democrats should have a way of going around uh, a, a rogue a Republican Congress and funding our government. But they don't. They're following the – they're following the uh, playbook of the Constitution, and that's that's what it is. Um, I think the only hope for reopening the government, folks, is that uh, Republicans, some of the Republicans in the Senate, they have to peel away from Donald Trump. I think if we can get 13 to 14 Republicans peeling away from Donald Trump and and advocating for the government to be open, and there is a and and there is a vote on it. We can override this son of a bitch and open up the government. I think that's what's going to have to happen. He's going to have to be overwritten. He's going to have to be overwritten. And the only way we can do that is some Republicans going to have to join Democrats in overriding this, this, this guy. But as long as Republicans are not willing to override Donald Trump, the government will be shut down. He will not. He will not. He will not reopen the government, period. He has been talking about years, possible, because he's wrecking the economy. He's wrecking the country. He's extorting money, which should be a crime. I don't know why we don't hear anything about extortion and crime. This is extortion. Extortion is a crime. He should be arrested. I just don't know what else to say. Uh, we need to have Republicans peel away from Donald Trump in the Senate to join the Democrats to override his veto and reopen the government. That's I mean, that doesn't sound like all that that it's all that difficult. And it's not. I think we got about six or seven Republicans now, but we need a little bit more. I think as the shutdown go on, I think as it lingers on, I think more Republicans are going to say, hey, wow, let's get this thing done. This is not right. This shouldn't be happening. Let's open up the government. Right now, that is the only way things are going to happen is for the uh, Republicans, some Republicans, not all, a few, uh, maybe um, 15, 20 uh, uh, defect, tell Donald Trump to kiss their ass, vote with the Democrats, open the government. The, the government can be opened back up in, in minutes, 
in minutes, but they do not have the votes to do it. I mean, the Democrats can come up with all kinds of spending bills, open parts of the government, but as long as the Republicans aren't on their side, it's not going to happen. It's a wasted uh, it's a wasted opportunity for uh, for everybody because the Republicans will not uh, uh, join in. How? And that's got to be something. I mean, Republicans enjoying and laughing and being proud that the government is shut down, proud that people are suffering, proud that people are losing their jobs, enthusiastic about folks not getting their paycheck, not being paid. How, how human is that? How human is that? But at this point, as I've said, it seems like it's it, this is the government shutdown. It's prolonged. Is in the hands of the Republicans in the Senate. They have to just say, fuck this. We want the government open. We want our people back to work. We want people to get paid and get their paychecks so they can take care of their families. We need Republicans who are going to do that. And I do think as long as this government, this shutdown, as I've said, as long as this shutdown goes goes on, I think more Republicans are going to be coming over to the Democratic side of the aisle because a lot of them are afraid that they will not be reelected. A lot of them know, a lot of them know that this shutdown is going to be the end of their political career if they don't do something. Because, uh, as I've stated, their political opponent in two years, in a year or so, are going to be jamming them with this um, shutdown, and it's going to work. It's going to uh, resonate against. Uh, uh, it's going to resonate to the voters. The voters are going to say, "Yeah, uh, Jack, we can't uh, vote for you, man. You are for this shutdown. You are in Donald Trump's butt. We can't vote for you." A lot of Republicans are going to lose their. Uh, uh, seats in Congress on both sides of the aisle because of this, because of their loyalty to Donald Trump, who is purposely, willingly, and knowingly wrecking our country, wrecking the economy. And I'm going to say this again as long as the shutdown goes on, Republicans should be, uh, uh, some will be peeling off turning against Donald Trump to vote for the country to be reopened. When? I don't know. When could that happen? I don't know. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen the day after. It could happen next week. I don't know. But I do know that's what's going to have to happen in order to reopen the government. Republicans are going to have to have a change of heart, at least, at least five or six of them, and join the Democrats in re- reopening government. You can't be uh, Satan and wanting to see people starve, wanting to see your country destroyed, wanting to see people not getting paid for the work that they're doing, telling people to go do other things. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, and we're talking about the government shutdown. We will be talking about the government shutdown until the government reopens.
because everybody who's anybody is affected by this. You know somebody who's being affected by the government shutdown. You know of somebody. And the government shutdown is not just hurting 800,000 federal workers. It's hurting the entire country, the economy. The economy is being tanked because of this guy. We have to do something. Someone said on Facebook, Donald Trump is a fraud and need to be stopped. I've said that several times. Donald Trump is a national emergency. Donald Trump is a national security threat to this country. Donald Trump is the enemy in the White House. Donald Trump is a terrorist. Donald Trump is violence. There is no doubt about it. And the people who are kissing his ass, they are the same things. I'm sure Putin loves it because Donald Trump is probably doing Putin's bidding. And he's doing what uh, Fox News is telling him. Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, and Coulter. These, <laughs> they are telling him to hang strong on this. Instead of Donald Trump uh, thinking for himself, he's letting other people think for him, and he's doing their bidding. People are saying, stay strong, stay strong. That's bullshit. Hurting people. These are voters. Maybe he's trying to knock us all out of commission so we don't vote next year and vote him out. And I can't think of anything but Say, to say that the Republicans are afraid to run someone against Donald Trump. They're afraid as hell to run someone, uh, a candidate against him, to run in the primary for next year. They're afraid. They, they don't want Donald Trump to have any uh, competition. They don't want him to have any, um, anybody running against him as a Republican. They want Donald Trump to get the nomination because he's scared. To, he's scaring the fuck out of him. And so they will not put no put no one up against Donald Trump to run for president. They want Donald Trump to be their nominee, and they're going to fucking fall for that. You shut down the government, do you really think you're going to be reelected, Mr. Trump? You shut down the government, you think you're going to be elected? You screw with people's lives? You think they're going to be dumb enough to put you back in office? If the if the uh, Russian investigation don't get your ass first, the emolument investigation they don't get you first, and I don't understand where uh, I don't understand um, why some of these investigations have already come down on Donald Trump, charged him, subpoenaed him. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know we have a lot of people in Congress who are cowards. People in Congress who are afraid to stand up to Donald Trump. People in Congress who are afraid to uh, 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 go against Donald Trump. Uh, people who are standing up to Donald Trump and knowingly he's a criminal, knowing that he's going to try to get them to do something to break the law. Here's Jim Comey in Capitol Hill speaking now. Emails and the Steele dossier. 
This while the President of the United States is lying about the FBI, attacking the FBI, and attacking the rule of law in this country? How does that make any sense at all? Republicans used to understand that the actions of a president matter, the words of a president matter, the rule of law matters, and the truth matters. Where are those Republicans today? At some point, someone has to stand up and in the face of fear of Fox News, fear of their base, fear of mean tweets, stand up for the values of this country and not slink away into retirement, but stand up and speak the truth. I find it frustrating to be here answering questions about things that are far less important than the values that this country is built upon. Happy to take your question. What, what impact does it have when the president calls Michael Cohen a rat, someone who's cooperating with an investigation and questions how his office was uh, raided by the FBI? It undermines the rule of law. This is the president of the United States calling a witness who has cooperated with his own Justice Department a rat. Say that again to yourself at home and remind yourself where we have ended up. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. This is about what does it mean to be an American? What are the things that we care about above our policy disputes, which are important? There's a set of values that represent the glue of this country, and they are under attack by things just like that. We have to stop being numb to it. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you need to stand on your feet, overcome your shame, and say something. Do you feel like there's any legitimate investigative value to what happened here today, or is this just a political exercise? I can't answer that because I don't know exactly what they're investigating. The questions about Hillary Clinton and the Steele dossier strike me as more of the same. I didn't learn anything new in there. Maybe they did. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I have a question from Fox News, in fact. Um, your handling of the Flynn interview, how is it consistent with the investigations roadmap for agents, the domestic investigations operations guide? Entirely consistent in my view. Well, so give me your question, next level down, what do you mean? No, I mean the, the, the domestic investigations operations guide is the roadmap for investigations for all agents. And there is a special section for sensitive matters and, and individuals, and I'm wondering if you feel comfortable that your handling of home was consistent with that. I do. I do. Very much so. Republicans have criticized you for failing to remember key events, for maybe um, hurting the FBI's reputation as being nonpartisan. What would you say to some of that criticism? They got truthful testimony from me. When you're the director of an organization of 38,000, sometimes you don't know what form people filled out. That's silliness. And as far as hurting the FBI's reputation, I hope not. We had to make very hard decisions in 2016. I knew we were going to get hurt by it. The question was, how do we reduce the damage? What I'm doing now is not what I love to do. I'd rather not be talking to you all. But somebody has to stand up and speak for the FBI and the rule of law, and I hope there's a whole lot more somebody's out there than just me.